morning, everyone. It's great to see you guys. Um, if you haven't met me before, my name is Nick, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and I am feeling fiery to share something with you today. Uh, I think the reason why I feel a sense of such anticipation is um, I feel like God has been speaking this message to me that I'm going to bring to you for at least three months now. And so for some of you who were at the encounter day on Saturday, you will have heard some of what I'm about to say, but I won't apologize for saying it again. Uh, because if I've been listening to it for three months and this is only your second time of hearing it, then um, that's on you. So um, <laughs> I can just ask God to keep giving you this every day for three months. Um, but it's why I feel a sense of anticipation about it this morning, that I feel like God has been sowing in this in me and then just watering it and watering it and watering it. And so um, I feel like there is more to come from what he has given me to share um, but today I'll give you what I have so far. Um, now, some of you know that uh, Chris and I had a sabbatical. So uh, that meant we took some time away from the coalface as senior pastors for a couple of months in June and July. Um, and it was a funny time because uh, people were saying to us, oh, you had a great break. Um, but we described it more as heart surgery. Uh, you know, you pull away from the coalface of pastoring and leading um, and then you get some time where God gets your attention away from that. And it was both an absolute privilege and a blessing. And it was deep work in our hearts that happened during that time. And one of the things that I felt God speak to me about was a season that we are in as uh, the church, um, but also for us as individuals. Um, and I'm going to start by just reading some scripture that um, I hope will just put us in a place to hear this this morning. Uh, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 5 to 11. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. That version will come up. Um, but I would encourage you, Father, help us open our hearts now. Holy Spirit, come and invade our thoughts. Help us change our thinking. Help us hear what you would have us know that would change us this morning through these words. It says this, For you are all children of the light and children of the day. We don't belong to the night nor to darkness. This is why we must not fall asleep as the rest do, but keep wide awake and clear-headed. For those who are asleep, sleep the night away, and drunkards get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, we must stay alert and clear-headed by placing the breastplate of faith and love on our hearts and a helmet of the hope of salvation over our thoughts. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to possess salvation through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. He gave us Life, he gave his life for us so that we may share in resurrection life in union with him, whether we're awake or asleep. And because of this, encourage the hearts of your fellow believers and support one another just as you have already been doing. And I feel like the picture that God gave me for the church and for this season we're in is of a people group who have gone to sleep. 
And I felt this for some time, that uh, the church has been falling asleep or in a state of slumber. Not Numa Church per se, but the church. And the, uh, God gave me a very specific visual image of this. And some of you may have seen the Will Smith film called iRobot. Um, and an image is going to come up on the screen now for you to see. Uh, and this was the picture that I felt God showed me of a bunch of people following Jesus who have everything they need wired into them to function a fully and a live space that can bring chaos, if you like, in a good way. But they're all asleep. They're not active. They are, they've not been activated. In this film, uh, there is this effectively army of robots that have been built, but stood in lines without someone turning the on switch on and turning them on. They have everything they need to fulfill what the designer designed them to do, and yet they're stood still. They're just stood still. And I feel like sometimes we hear people from a platform speak about wake up church. But I feel like what God is saying to me is he's wanting us as individuals to wake up. As individuals. This isn't about a corporate thing of wake up church, which if I'm being really honest, I think sometimes we as individuals can pray on behalf of the rest of the church. And we don't pray it for ourselves. It's easier to say, God, wake up the church and just let me stay as I am and keep living my life exactly as I did yesterday. But do it, God, wake up the church. But I'd quite like to carry on living the same way. And I think if we're honest, this happens all the time. God, have your way, just not in my routines. God, have your way, as long as it doesn't affect my bank balance. God, have your way as long as I don't have to take risks in the supernatural realm. God, have your way as long as I can rely on the prayers of the person on the platform and not my own prayers that I've stopped believing will come to pass. And I feel like there is a clarion call going out to every single one of us as individuals that says it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Because do you know what? In this film, and this isn't a good theological example, but in this film, there is a moment where these robots start to get activated and they wreak absolute havoc. There is chaos everywhere, not in a great way in this sense. But do you know what? I genuinely believe as individuals, when we start to get activated for the things of the Holy Spirit, we will wreak chaos for the kingdom. We'll start walking into spaces and see things shift and change without us even opening our mouths. Why? Because we're awake. We are awake. We are alive. We are starting to walk into everything that God has designed us to be. And something I felt God speak to me about in this sabbatical period is that the time of the professional Christian is coming to an end. The time of the people paid, like me, to stand and do this, this is, there is, There is a time that is coming to an end where we've got to stop relying on the people paid to do Christianity to bring the kingdom. It has to stop. Frankly, for us as leaders, it would be great as well. Like, wouldn't it be great if it wasn't the case that people walked into church and were like, feed me. Feed me. You know, come on, pastor. What are you going to bring that's going to inspire me today? How about come inspired? 
Why not show up on a Sunday morning already inspired because you've been dwelling in his presence, knowing him, loving him, hearing from him, knowing what it feels like to be in the lazy river, as Chris talked about, to settle into a knowledge of what that life looks like. What would church look like if everyone showed up like that? Early. (laughs) Do you know, we'll know the kingdoms come where people in this church come early. Oh, my word. That, do you know what? That'll be the moment. And we do joke here every Sunday that I turn around at 9.30 and think, that's it. The church has died again. Everyone's left. No one's coming back. And then I turn around by the end of worship and I'm like, oh, hello, you're here. This is good news. But do you know what? There's something about hunger. We went to Bogota a couple of years ago. Man, if you want to see what hungry people look like, They had to have stewards lining all the aisles and a traffic light system because when they invited the Holy Spirit to come, the traffic lights, literal traffic lights, just so you know, this isn't like a massive, like it looks like a multi-story car park. When the light turns green, people are so hungry for the Holy Spirit that they run and they don't care who is in their path or what is in their path. Have you ever seen a pitch invasion on a football match? That but with a hunger for the fire of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing polite about it. Nothing polite. And do you know what? You could spot the British people an absolute mile off because we're like this, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, you come, you go through. The South Americans were like, get out my way, I'm hungry. That is what happens when you're awake. When you are awake and you are hungry, you will throw out the things that are in your way and you will pursue power. Why? Not just for a sense of adventure, but because of a feeling of there must be more than this. And you know what? That's how I spent my two months sabbatical. If I could sum it up in one phrase, it was like, there must be more than this. There must be more. We are so grateful for what we see God doing in our midst here. We're so grateful that every single week we see miracles happen here. I was um, with some friends yesterday who uh, don't really do Jesus, I think would be the the best way to describe their faith. Um, And they were asking me, how's church going? And I said, we see miracles every week. I said, it makes me want to get up and go there. And they were like, great. But that's just touching the surface. And I think what you see in that image of those robots standing is when we get activated When we wake up, then what happens is we get to go out into our spheres of influence and into our community and wreak havoc for the kingdom without it being restricted and restrained to the walls of a church. I mean, let's be honest, this church isn't even very pretty. Like, you know, this is a warehouse. You would have arrived this morning and you would have been welcomed by the smell of a rotting tip over the road. Oh, it's bad this morning. The smell is bad. But you know why we still show up here? Because his presence loves to be here. God isn't put off by the smell of the tip over the road. But you know what he'd also love is for us to meet with him outside of this building and to be fully alive and awake. Just in the last week, Becky was telling us, um, Becky's other half, Ash, has been very, very poorly in hospital and his oxygen levels were very low. And you know what she did? She woke up. She woke up her soul in a moment that could have been hallmarked by despair 
and grief and pain and disappointment and hopelessness. When you watch someone you love in deep pain and medical distress, this is serious. You can lean into all of those things justifiably. We're human beings. But what she did was she woke up her soul. And when she woke up her soul, she started to declare healing. And as she prayed, Ash's oxygen levels just started to go back up. What was the difference in that moment? She woke up and prayed. She didn't do it out of duty or obligation. She didn't check her handbook for how to follow Jesus and think, what am I supposed to do now? Oh, I suppose I could pray a prayer. She looked at someone in pain and in distress and she thought, not on my watch. And she prayed and his oxygen levels went up. What a brilliant coincidence, right? What a great coincidence. I've written all kinds of things down. I'm not telling you any of them, but I'm kind of getting the message across. (laughs) I feel like the invitation to us as individuals has to come from a sense of what we're waking up to and for. One of the things I shared at the uh, encounter day was that I am not a morning person. I am terrible in the mornings. Like, I'm really grumpy. Most people of you will, (laughs) Chris is like, no, most people say, Nick, you're so optimistic and smiley. Yes, I am after 10. Like in the morning, my, my hope levels aren't always so great, have to admit. Chris is like, when he's awake, he's good to go. He's good for the day. So is Lucy, our daughter. Me and Mads, uh, we're not so great in the mornings. Unless, unless, God reminded me I was walking with him and, uh, and he reminded me of a scenario which it was a real ouch moment. And uh, he reminded me of what I'm like in the morning if I'm going on holiday. And it turns out I am a great morning person when I'm getting up to go on holiday. I'm terrible the rest of the time. If I have to get up at three or four because I'm catching a flight and going on holiday, suddenly I am the most amazing morning person to actually the annoyance for the rest of the family. I'm like, let's go. Like I'm Tigger. I'm so excited. I'm good to go. It's four in the morning, but I am alive and awake. Why? Because I'm going on an adventure. I'm going on an adventure. I love to travel. I love to travel. During COVID, I basically had one of those, you know, the existential crisis we all had during this time of what is going on in the world? I was like, okay, I've got a plan, family. We are going to sell all the things and we're going to buy a camper van and we're just going to go around the world. We're going to homeschool you because that was going well. We're going to now do it in a box. So we're going to homeschool you like in a camper van and we're just going to go on an adventure all around the world to which I was met with. No, thank you. But do you know why? Like, I get excited when I think about exploring new places, having new experiences, meeting new people. That brings me great excitement. It doesn't matter what time of day it is that I have to get up for that. I know what I'm waking up for. And I feel like this is a key that God wants to give us as individuals this morning and every morning hereafter. If you, as Chris and Herb have spoke so clearly about this in recent weeks, if you want to wake up by trying harder you will fail. If you want to wake up by doing it in your own strength, you are going to fail. And you're probably not going to be very fun to be with. 
like just being really honest, if you are striving to wake up for the things of the kingdom, you may be enthusiastic about it for a little while and then it will just feel hard. There is something about surrender as we surrender to what the Holy Spirit wants to do and we start to partner with who he says we are, that we start to know what he's like, what he's about and what, he's, what adventures he's calling us into and then we put our energy there, that's how we start to wake up. So I'm just going to take a little moment. You guys have been sitting and listening for a while. One thing that I felt God asked me in this period of time is to identify where I've gone to sleep. Because it's easy to just say, I've gone to sleep spiritually. But often I feel like there's some really specific things where we go to sleep. One of the things I felt like God identified for me is that my risk taking has gone to sleep. I'm by nature a risk taker. Take me to a theme park, you will find me on the highest, fastest ride with my arms in the air. I love that stuff. But in the kingdom, my risk taking has gone to sleep a little bit. And I felt like God say, it's time to wake that up, Nick. It's time to wake it up. I feel like my confidence has gone to sleep a little bit as we led into sabbatical the whole, am I even called to this anymore? Is this even what you're asking me to do? Have I even got anything to offer Numa Church anymore? I feel like my confidence had fallen asleep. I feel like there were areas of my character when it came to wisdom that had fallen asleep. I was starting to respond to how I felt rather than what was wise. I don't know for any of you feelers out there. If you're feeling a bit out of sorts, then the decisions you make from that place can be a little bit dodgy. Because what you're doing is you're responding and making choices based on how you feel. I mean, certainly when it comes to food, this is definitely one for me. Like I can have really great ideas about eating healthily, but if I'm feeling really sad or if I'm feeling low, then, you know, load me up with a double quarter pound of cheese and I'm like away. Because actually I'm making a decision based on how I'm feeling and what's going on. And I feel like one of the things God is saying to me is, Nick, your wisdom is falling asleep. Because what you're doing is you're allowing your feelings to be the thing that's keeping you asleep. And it's time to wake up. So what I would love for you to do, just where you're sat now, if you have a journal, some paper, a phone, whatever you have that you can make a note on or make a mental note, I want you to ask God where you have fallen asleep. What area of your character has fallen asleep? What area of your faith? Maybe you prayed for someone to get well and they got worse. And in that moment, someone came and turned off the button. And put you to sleep when it comes to faith for miracles. So just take a moment now. Ask him. Father show me where have I gone to sleep.
And just stay in this moment, just as you're here. I found it interesting. I was playing with a child the other day at work, and I'd been sat on the floor for a long time. And as I went to get up, um, my leg had gone to sleep. And the rest of my body was functioning absolutely fine. But my leg had gone to sleep. And in that moment, how I maneuvered and adjusted my whole body was impacted just by that one part. And, I, and in that moment, I felt God speak to me and say, it's that. You might say, well, do you know what? My, my faith has gone to sleep, but the rest of me is great, so I'm going to be okay. And I would suggest if we don't start to wake up the parts of us which have gone to sleep, everything gets impacted. Actually, you can't stand up and walk in that moment when your leg's gone to sleep. So whilst it's just a leg, actually, it's, I feel like, I'm going to call this out. I feel like there are some people here that are like, yeah, no, I'm happy with that part being asleep. I'm just going to rely on everything else because that's awake. And it's almost like you're giving evidence to yourself of, yeah, no, God, you don't need to do that bit. Don't wake up my risk taking. Thanks. I'm happy with it asleep. I feel great, like quite comfortable about that. Instead, I'm going to ask you to keep awake this, 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 this. And God is saying, no, thanks. This is surrender. Give me the bit that is having an impact on the rest of your slumber. And isn't it interesting that you can sleepwalk. I don't know if any of you are here are sleepwalkers. We have a child who is a sleepwalker and I remember many times uh, waking up with that feeling of someone being right there. Um, you can sleep talk. So you can still do, you can still fulfill daily functions in your sleep, right? You can sleep eat, that's the thing. Do you know what is really rare though? You can't sleep dance and you can't sleep fall in love. And I think the lie we are being sold is that sleep isn't so bad. Look at all the things you can still do when you're asleep. But do you know what? You can't fall in love in your sleep. You can't dance with abandon in your sleep. You can't look into the eyes of someone and call out the gold of, in them in your sleep. So don't kid yourself that you're living a life which is abundant or full enough because of the things that you can do while you're asleep. Wake up. Wake up. It will cost you everything, but it will be worth everything. Wake up. The days of professional Christians are coming to an end. I hear his voice calling it across Ashford. Would you just wake up? Individuals, wake up. Like Becky in that hospital. Interesting that it wasn't the chaplain that prayed in that hospital and saw Ash's oxygen go up, right? So we have Stephen Hughes, a hospital chaplain. No offense, Stephen, but if the whole hospital is relying on your prayers then it's going to be a tough gig, right? It's a tough gig. The whole of the three site hospitals, if if like, even if one hospital is relying on the chaplain to see kingdom breakthrough, it's not going to work. That's not to diminish the power of what Stephen does every day, but he can't do it on his own. If he is one activated follower of Jesus with a whole hospital in front of him, he is going to be limited in the impact that he can have. But when we wake up, we see the church mobilized into every sphere of society. What about for parents here? 
I would suggest to you, if you are relying on Numa kids to disciple your children, you are, you are going to be disappointed. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to classify that. Numa kids is outstanding at discipleship. The kids upstairs hear from God. They know how to pray. They know how to pray for one another. They regularly see miracles. And if you are relying on an hour and a half on a Sunday morning to bring your children into this environment for them to learn how to follow Jesus, then you are asleep. If you are relying on the people that go into schools to do the assemblies, you know those people, right? Like, oh, the God people are coming in to do the assembly. Chris does some of those. (laughs) No offense. If you're relying on Chris to come in (laughs) once a term and do an assembly... In order for your children to know what God is like, you are asleep. If you are sick in hospital and you're relying on the chaplain to be the answer, you're asleep. We have to take responsibility as individuals for waking up and seeing the kingdom come wherever we go. Now I want you to imagine like that picture of all the robots. If we can have that picture back up. The picture of all the robots. I now want you to imagine that each one of them is activated. And rather than wreak havoc for bad, now imagine that they enter every sphere of influence, every sphere of society, and they carry with them everything they need to bring the kingdom. And when we use the phrase bring the kingdom, what we mean is to see God's way of doing things, his plan A, nothing missing, nothing broken, at work in our culture and society. I know we throw away things like bring the kingdom. That's what we mean when we say bring the kingdom. Have your way. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Your neighborhood needs you to wake up. The people who live in the houses, when God says love your neighbor, what if he actually meant it? What if he actually meant your actual neighbor? Because as as I see it, we have two choices. We can either hope that one day your neighbors wake up and think, I'm going to go to church today. And I'm going to hear a professional Christian get up and tell me about Jesus. And I'm going to raise my hands and give my life to Jesus, fall on my face, and then I'm going to be transformed. How terrible, though, if the culture means that they do that and then they keep that kingdom thing they've just encountered in a church setting on a Sunday morning. I would suggest the statistical likeness of your neighborhood all waking up and saying, I'm going to church today to meet Jesus is pretty low. I would say the likeliness of them meeting Jesus when you start being awake in your neighborhood is really high. Jesus is attractive. The Holy Spirit is magnetic. I sometimes think we feel like as followers of Jesus, we're marketing a poor product. Like, I'm not meaning for that to sound offensive, but I do feel like sometimes we almost apologize Is it okay if I tell you about something? Have you ever met people on doorsteps that come and try and sell you stuff? Have you ever met any of them that turn up on the doorstep? And I'm so sorry to interrupt. Would you mind if I told... If you don't want to hear about it, I totally understand. I'll go. I don't want to waste your time. If you wouldn't mind just listening to me, just for a moment, there's something I'd like to tell you about. And if you're not interested, that's fine too. I genuinely think that is the culture of spreading the gospel that we are in at the moment we're asleep no one does that I mean it's a running joke in our house everyone that turns up at the door if Chris answers the door we're four pound 33 short a month 
for another load. Like, honestly, you know the charities that we give £4.33 a month, like a pound a week? We have signed up to so many of those that sometimes I feel like we're about to give another £4.33 to one Chris has already said yes to. This guy, he goes to the door. He is like, as soon as I see the people in the (laughs) the tapards coming to the door, I'm like, step aside, send me in. Do you know why? Because Chris is compelled by vision. It wakes him up. When you stand in front of Chris and you share vision for something and you say, do you know the difference you could make if you want to sow into this, you'll see children's lives changed. He's like, okay. That's what he does. If someone comes to the door and says, do you know what? There are people dying on our one of the people we give to is the lifeguards. There's people dying on beaches because people are going with their families and they're not able to keep safe. And actually, we have a stack of volunteers who go. And in the last month, 10 people have been pulled out of the sea and their lives have been saved. Would you like to give to that? Chris is like, yes. If you would like <laughs> any charitable giving, this is your man. This is your man. Why? Why is that the case? Because he is awake and compelled by vision. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, let's stop talking about God and the Holy Spirit as something we need to apologize for. That's what sleepy people do. Awake people are alive and they are ready to share the good news of what God wants to do in people's lives. And what's great is that when we do that, people want to know. People are searching. There is a generation that are trying to find all the answers on TikTok. And whilst you can find some really good life hacks on there, you are not going to find the answer to your deepest longings. You're not going to find the answer to shame. You are not going to find the answer to the pain of rejection you've experienced in your past. You are not going to find the answer to managing a situation in front of you that seems impossible, but with God is possible. And all power to the TikTokers who are following Jesus. Genuinely, there are alive and awake people who are going into that sphere and they're active and they're looking to bring the kingdom. Like genuinely all power to them. Let's be careful not to always criticize everything when there are people going into these spheres. But the word I feel like God is giving me is we have to mobilize the church. Mobilized into every sphere of society. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to stand. And I have a passage from uh, the message translation of the Bible. Um, and I'm going, to, I'm going to read this over us as a declaration of what you are waking up for. Because I recognize I can't convince you to wake up. There are some things you can do. Declare stuff over your life. Get hungry for the Bible. Spend time with awake people. If you want to wake up, ironically, there is a group that meets in this building from 4 a.m. till 7 a.m. every morning that pray. 4 till 7. There is a group of people praying in this building. If you want to wake up spiritually, get here. You don't have to come at 4. You can come at 6 and stay for an hour. But you know what? If you want to wake up, get around awake people spiritually. Fast, pray, read your Bible, wake up your soul, wake up your soul, wake it up. If you ever go walking and you see me walking, 
I'm not on a phone call. The reason you'll see my mouth moving is that I now spend my entire dog walks waking up my soul. I declare things over my life. I start to walk and I say, my prayers are powerful and effective. God richly supplies all my needs. I walk in ever-increasing health. I uproariously laugh when I hear a lie from the enemy. Each one of my family members is wonderfully blessed and radically loves Jesus. It goes on. I have about 40 minutes worth of declarations that I go round and round and round in my head to wake up my soul. I can't do it for you and neither should I. And I can't do it for myself, but for being in the lazy river with the Holy Spirit. So I want you to listen up and listen good as I tell you what you are waking up for. This is from Romans 8. Those who think they can do it on their own end, on their own, end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing, and God isn't pleased at being ignored. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from a dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. So don't you see that we don't owe this do-it-yourself life one penny? There is nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with a new life. God's spirit beckons. Imagine that God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending, grave-tending life. It is adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we're going to get exactly what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, we will certainly go through the good. Where you are stood right now, if you feel an invitation to wake up, I encourage you, put your hand on your heart, out in front of you, in the air, posture yourself to receive. 
posture yourself to respond to that invitation. And even where you are, just start to say, wake up, soul. Wake up, soul. Wake up, my soul. Wake up, my soul. Not through striving. I I speak against the spirit that would say you need to try harder. This is not about trying harder. This is about surrendering. Wake up. And if there is anyone here this morning who has never met Jesus in a personal way and you want to wake up to a life with him and you want to say yes to him today for the first time, you want to say, I choose to wake up today, I would encourage you where you're stood now to just raise your hand where you are and we would love to gather around and pray for you. Today is a great day to wake up to living a life for following Jesus. It's the best adventure you'll ever go on. It's not timid or grave tending. It's gloriously expectant. Have your way. Have your way, Father. Have your way. There's a a song where the line goes, when you walk into the room, everything changes. That, That line of, he's in the room. You don't have to leave here asleep. Wake us up, God. Wake us up. That part of us that's gone to sleep, we say, no more, wake up. Thank you, God. Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to numachurch.uk where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week and remember you're loved.